Hello and welcome to the Red Sector MotoGP podcast. I'm your host, Josh Wilson. Uh, with me is Bono. Obviously, you're probably wondering why is this dull Englishman doing the intro to the podcast. Uh, unfortunately, Matt had a family emergency, so he wasn't able to make it, um, which is a huge shame because, of course, we all love his energetic start to the podcast, but you'll have to do with me for now. Um, and, of course, with us is quite a, a special, important guest for uh, for us anyway. It's, um, it's Scott Ogden. He's going to be racing in Moto3 this year. It's quite surreal and crazy that we're actually going to have a Moto3 slash GP rider um, on the show already. Uh, it, it's incredible. But yeah, um, how are you, Scott? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. And thank you for having me. And no worries. Um, how are you, Bono, as well? Are you good? <laughs> Yeah, I'm good. Very, um, very excited to have Scott on and whatnot. Yeah, it's um, like you say, it's kind of surreal when we, you know, mentioned about getting guests on and whatnot. We really wanted to get some of the British riders on. And since having that discussion, we've obviously got a British team now with Scott in it. So it's good to start off with one of our own, isn't it? You know, oh, exactly. Yeah, um, it it's amazing that we've we've managed to get someone on like Scott, um, and he can kind of share, well, when we get into the podcast, he's going to share his kind of journey and his, some insights into what it's like to become a, a Motor3 rider, um, so that'll be interesting. But of course, we are going to start the podcast with like a quickfire question kind of round, which which we always do with our guests. Um, so I'll, I'll go first, and uh, for you, Scott, uh, what track, not currently on the calendar, would you like to see on the MotoGP calendar? Oh, it's quite a hard one. Um, uh, that can be like any we've never been to or ones we used to go to. Um, I've got to be biased and say probably Cadwell Park. It, it would never yeah. happen bec- because of, well, yeah, if you know Cadwell Park, you know yeah, how yeah. it is. But <laughs> yeah, definitely. I love the layout. It's It's a local one for me. And yeah, I've grown up riding it. So yeah, I wish that was on there. MotoGP schedule, maybe in the future, if magically they sort out the runoff and and the mountain. Yeah. But yeah, we'll just see what happens. Yeah, just see, yeah, just see Dorna build like you know, a, well, just buy acres of land around Cadwell and just you know make it safe to see Fabio and the likes just going over the mountain on a GP bike. That'd be um, amazing, wouldn't it? <laughs> that that would be a spectacle. I rate that. Um, Okay, so if you could change one rule or regulation to, I would say MotoGP, maybe something in the future if you're you know with your aim to get to MotoGP, but it can be Moto Three or racing in general. What would it be? Anything personal or important that you reckon needs changing or would want to change? It can be fun as well. Um, I think really just try not go down the F one route where it's more about the bike or the car try keep it as close to a a motorcycle as possible without Mm. all the electronics and the buttons because every year they add more and more with this new ride ride height device and stuff so just Mm. try keep it as close to a just a normal motorbike as possible yeah that's true so you you reckon in um casey stoner's comments really there and what he said with it yeah Yeah. definitely because you want to see every bike win and at the moment to be fair all the bikes are pretty much good enough to win but in the future i think especially with how it's going it could end up like uh formula one where there's one or two two bikes that can end up winning yeah very true 
Um, now this one will be easy. Uh, four wheels or two wheels? Yeah, two wheels. Yeah. Hmm. I think he's just answered that question. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> we don't previous need to elaborate, one. do we? Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, last song you listened to? This will be interesting. Um, be honest, I don't really listen to music. It's... Oh, really? Yeah. You, um, of course, Which is where he just gets rid of his One Direction tab on his. On his <laughs> <part of it. laughs> no, I, uh, I can't remember. I haven't listened in. Because you do a lot of running, Scott, don't you? You're you're a big runner. I'm surprised you don't listen to music whilst running. Yeah, I don't. Well, I sweat a lot when I run, so I don't like having earplugs or anything in. So, oh, no. Yeah, to be fair. Oh, I can't even think. It must have been a good five, six months until I last listened to something. Not well, Five, six months? Not on the radio. The radio's on, but, well, we live in Spain, so I can't really understand half the stuff. <laughs> I mean, um, you are you're speaking to who's doing a music degree, so... It'll, it'll yeah, be, that's true. Yeah, but I mean, still five, six months for no one to listen to music to is quite, quite surreal. To be fair, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm trying maybe to think. Something. What, what would have been the last thing? Maybe um, he's more of a podcast person. Be honest, not even that. I just, I like vlogs. I like watching people vlog stuff. So, oh, um, without getting it up and having a look, because I share the Spotify account with the family, so. The latest stuff is normally what my brother listens to, and it's crap. So yeah. Well, that's fine. It's, it's no big deal. It's just a bit of fun. Um, actually, and then another easy one. We've gone from a difficult one to an easy one. Well, I'd say easy. It's um, motor three or one two five. Well, my training bikes always used to be two strokes. Okay. So, so I love two strokes and. I don't really like the engine braking of the motor three, so I'm going to say one two fives. I wish I wish they brought them back. Oh, interesting. They're interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could I can see that to be it's, un- it's understandable. Yeah, um, this one is very casual, but it's it's very pivotal to Matt, who isn't here today. Uh, he always asks this question, and according to Matt, this shows a lot about your personality. Um, and I thought I'd do him justice in asking this. So, Coke or Pepsi? Uh, you probably don't I, drink them, do you? Yeah, not because I a diet or anything. Just uh, I don't like fizzy drinks, but I'm going to say Coke. It, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I'm getting all the easy ones. This uh, two stroke or four stroke? He kind of answered it um, already, but um, yeah, two stroke. It, that one's more <laughs> difficult because I, I do prefer yeah. the one to five to the moto three but in some areas like yeah the four strokes better but yeah i'll go with two stroke okay um moto two or 250 which again i think kind of leans towards the two stroke. yeah I've, as well. I've never it's difficult i've never ridden a moto. i don't know if it, it's good to ride but yeah, two fifty. It's going to be two stroke all the way, just because some of the races. It's a little bit before my era, but I used to love watching old classic races. So yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, what is the last book you read? If you've got time to read, with all the cycling. Yeah. Um, well, in fact, one of your um, recent. Oh, I don't know if recent, but I know you've had him on the podcast, um, Matt Dunn. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, he lent me a book 
what was it called? It's, I'm going to get this wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is it on yeah. bed? Is it on bed? Uh, no, I think it, I always get mixed up, but I'm going to say it's Johnny Brownlee, the triathlete. Oh yeah, yeah. Is, yeah, it, is yeah. it champion's mindset? Is that? I it? think I know which book you mean. Yeah, yeah. It's it's something about mindset, and to be honest, I I can't say I've read it all, but I've read half of it. Let's say. Yeah. Now that that's but, a solid athlete to go for him or his brother because they're both. Yeah. Unreal. Um. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. Solid. Solid book. That. Um. On from that again, actually, this is not two-stroke or four-stroke related, but inline four or V4, not necessarily if you've rode either or, or which one, you know, might be sound, might be which one you just prefer in general. Uh, V4. I don't really have so much of an opinion, but yeah, that's how it is. (laughs) Seems like Scott's going for a Ducati then, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Going down that route. Yeah. um... They are beautiful. Yeah, one day, true. Scott. One day, yeah. like spaceships. Honestly, um, five hundred, eight hundred, or one thousand CC. Which is your favorite era to date with MotoGP? I think that's like watching it in it in terms of like yeah as a, as a fan. Yeah, probably say the the eight hundred. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah, another eight hundred. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. 100%. Any reason in particular, or? Is that just the area you grew up with? Yeah, pure. uh, To me, it was before the electronic. Yeah. Still the thousand series. The start of that, there wasn't so much, but yeah, it was pure racing. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, solid, solid. Um, Orange sectors or red sectors? (laughs) Red. Yeah. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Hopefully, see a few of them this season. Um, Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, Dead or alive, pick one rider you'd want to go on track with. I think... I guess... I'm going to say Marquez. Well, it's controversial, but I think naturally talented, he's one of the... Well, he's changed the sport so much, so maybe it'll happen one day if if I get fast track to MotoGP, but yeah. (laughs) I mean, Marquez it, is definitely the one. Yeah, he's uh, he's truly one of the aliens, isn't he? Um, with what he's able to do on that bike, it's incredible. Yeah, I just um, hope he he gets to race this year. It looks good with the recent news of yeah uh, everything yeah. starting to look positive. So yeah, hopefully he gets to fight for another championship. I mean, you never know, Scott. You might get Vision Track on the GP team one day. You never know. I mean, <laughs> never say. Yeah, never. well, I think. I think it is, well, not at the moment, but I think Michael really wants to end up one day having a route all the way to the GPs. I think that's big for him, and it will also be very, very big for the British system. Yeah, oh, 100%. 100%, yeah. Um, Favourite corner on the calendar? Because um... obviously you've raced in Red Bull Rookies and whatnot, so you've kind of, in terms of like... Usually with British riders, when they come through, yeah, they, ha- they they probably do go to Red Bull Rookies and whatnot, don't they, or CEV or CIV. So they've had like a couple of years' experience on a few of the tracks that are, are going to be in the World Championship like yourself now. But there's some tracks that you, you've probably not been to, you know, like the Asian rounds and whatnot. Yeah, I'm going to say 
well, it's corners, but I'm going to say the, let me think what it's called, Maggots and Beckett's at Silverstone. Oh, yeah. 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 It, it's fast. It's one of the best. For me, anyway. Also, there's, I don't know the names, but some of the corners at Magello are where yeah. Rossi always likes to overtake. Yeah. yeah. I know what you mean. Scarperia and Arabiata 1 and 2. and Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they they were great corners with rookies cup. Oh yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine Arabiata one and two. They're the like I don't know if you know them by name, Scott, but they're they're the ones that are like you know when you get like halfway around the circuit and you do like that double right like up the hill, like around yeah, around the back. Yeah, Those where Banyaya like, crashed. Yeah, yeah, they must be in like on a, on a on a two fifty like you know you're pretty much flat, aren't you? Through there, near enough. Yeah, yeah, and it, if you just make a mistake. the Especially with the rookies bike, they've got no power. It just it just dies. So I'm looking forward to riding the Moto Three round there. I think it yeah, it'll be men. Yeah. yeah, now that's gonna be exciting. Solid chart though on corners. You you pick some absolute corkers there. That must be um that must be one of your kind of highlights for the season. One you're most looking forward to go into on a Moto Three bike. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll be there. And... I'll be there cheering you on. Oh yeah, I'll be happy. Yeah, yellow, so. you're going, aren't you? Yeah. Um, well, we didn't have we didn't have the fans this year there, but apparently every year they're crazy there. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I've had family that have gone and they've just just you just get zero sleep because they're just nuts, just all night revving yeah. engines and <laughs> and whatnot. But yeah, don't worry, I'll um I'll be flying the British flag for you when we're there. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, and the last one for me. This one's a bit of a divisive subject, uh, so it's interesting to see. See your take on it, but flag to flag racing, yes or no? Are you a fan? Yeah, yeah, big fan. It just it adds a different element to it. Not so yeah. much in the in the Moto three class and the Moto two class, just because I don't know. It's just it's a bit awkward having your mechanics change wheels mid race, but yeah, in in the in the Moto GP class, yeah, definitely. It just flag to flag race you just anything can happen yeah like, well like we saw in um austria austria would you yeah would, were yeah. red bull rookies racing i mean obviously i know they race at red bull ring um but were you there at red bull ring that weekend scott or were you the weekend before that or did you do two weekends uh, we did, at red bull ring yeah we did both weekends yeah i couldn't remember so you'd have been you'd have been pretty much trackside watching that maybe i don't know where were you where were you in the the binder been the race well the the tent is um right next to it was next to turn one more or less but the right. problem is with the motor gp race i think it was the last race that weekend it's way straight after it so you're sort of watching it but you can't yeah. watch it so much mm. Yeah. Incredible! I'd just be in there in that moment, unbelievable. Just watching Binder go around on slicks, and then knowing you're out in ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was hoping it, it'd get wetter, but to be fair, in three minutes it dried. It, it was, yeah, it does dry it, quick, it, doesn't it? It does. It's quick, yeah, quick dry and dry. It's like Assen. Assen yeah. dries quick. I've been to uh, Austria for the F1, and yeah, it's, it's because of I guess it's how hilly it is, and they've got they've got quite yeah. a drainage there and whatnot. It's, yeah. um it's interesting, but um, that's a quick fire questions done. So uh, thanks for that, Scott. Uh, no worries. Right. Um, so what have you been up to in the winter then? Because I think uh, when we was emailing, you said about 
testing. Um, was it the Moto Three bike? No. So we, well, we're on the Moto Three bike next month, but at the moment we've just been we came back out to Spain and we've been on the uh, um, Supermoto and the Six Seven Five Triumph. So we've just got back from Cartagena. So we live in Valencia at the moment. So we drove yeah. back from Cartagena, which was a I call it a test. It was a two-day track day, um, but it was private hire with Matt VDS, which was pretty cool. So oh. there was there was John McPhee, uh, Taron mm. McKenzie, then the Matt VDS, um, Sam and Tony Avellino, and then there was also uh, you know Leon Haslam's team in BSB that Affinity. Yeah. Yeah, 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 they were they were there with all their bikes as well. So yeah, it was a good couple of days. Didn't I see that? Um, if I'm thinking about the same track, has Pedro Costa and Javi Vieja been there recently, or were you there prior to them? Yeah, that, that, am I thinking of a different that was the day before. So the four oh, okay. days before was they call it. I don't know what they call it, but it's like a protest. So yeah. racers only racers can go. So there was there was Jorge Martin, Zarco, Vieja, Acosta, Aldeguer. Yeah, there was quite a few names there yeah. for the that test. And how did that uh, test we... go overall? Was that was that a positive test for you? How did you find that? Yeah, really good actually, because normally over winter, without riding, you don't really think you're going to get faster. But I did some of my best laps around there without riding so much on on a big track so it's always nice to find tire without putting in the work really uh train off off the bike but without riding you can't try things so yeah it was good and i'm a lot closer to where i want to be at the start of the year a lot closer than i thought i would be at this point so yeah it was a good couple of days yeah it was good to go off the cobwebs and and um get up get out on track uh you had your fitting as well R- recently was it um, your levels, yeah, things like that at Vercos in Italy. That was, yeah, it was cool to go there because I've never really well, I've I used to get fitted at RST, but other than that, I've never been to a proper place where they actually make the leathers. And it, yeah, it was cool because Vercos is one of the only ones that make the leathers in house, where the rest go to Pakistan or places like that. So, yeah, it was cool to see how they how they're produced and. Yeah, I think we get the leathers this week, so or the testing suits anyway. The final colours aren't decided yet, but yeah, I'm looking forward to try them. Brilliant. Nice. So, in the lead up to um to the new to the new season and testing and whatnot, are you, are you finding that your your routine and your training like regimes are they changing? Are you are you mixing them up or are you kind of doing a tried and tested um regime? Yeah, it's quite difficult because at the moment the weather's not the best in in Spain. So it's like, oh, we'll just go, we'll ride today. If we see the weather's good, we'll just go and ride. So it's difficult to have a structure to training, but I just try fitting as much as I can. Like today, I did a hundred kilometers on on the push bike. Just if you can get in the miles, you just you just do as much as you can because it's good to keep the fitness. Because during the season when you're traveling so much, it's it's difficult. You can't you can't train as much, so you've got to be at the level at the start of the year. You can't be trying to gain fitness throughout the year. Yeah, that that's a solid mentality to have. I mean, I was I was literally thinking about this leading up to today's show. Is the fact that like 
you know, how much you you kind of have a pre preseason to prepare for preseason, don't you? Do you know what I mean? Like off the bike, you've got to do so much prep that when you go to preseason, because if you're like a tenth off the way you should be in preseason because of what you've done before preseason in the winter, whether it's your diet, whether it's your training or whatever, you know, you you need to be prepared to be prepared. Does that make sense? Like it it must be yeah. it must be pretty crucial, like in terms of you know, really trying to keep on top of it, but at the same time, not sending yourself mad over winter in terms of having a break. You know, mentally, you need that break, but you also can't take your foot off the gas too much. Yeah, definitely. And and for me, to be fair, I really enjoy my training. So it, it's not so much training. I, I'll go out and ride the bike all day and go out running because it's what I like doing. It's better It's better than playing on the Xbox for me. So, mm. yeah, it's, it's difficult because all... If for me, if you have a couple of days off, then you've just wasted a week. So it's all about being on it all the time. And when you when you get riding, yeah, you might put on a couple of kilos because you can't train, but the fitness is there and you're ready for the year. Especially for me going into Moto Three, where the races are, I think they're around ten minutes longer and in a lot harder climax. So yeah, it's going to be a big jump, but I, I think I'm physically ready. Just got to learn and try get a bit more speed because the motor three guys are really fast yeah it's um especially with the calendars kind of getting longer um you need to really be ahead of the curve going into it like you said because you're going to have less time in the actual season um to train because there's less off weeks yeah definitely and the last thing well when you've had a a busy weekend and especially if it's not the best weekend the last thing you want to be doing is is jumping on the push bike on Monday morning, unless you're Alicia Spagaro or one of those crazy guys, because <laughs> they love that stuff. But yeah, for me, it's just trying to be ready for the start of the year. And then during the year, it's just, you put your trainers in your suitcase and when you can get as much, when you can go out for a run, you go out for a run, but it's not so crucial if you're already at the level. Yeah. In terms of this year then, Scott, what what are your goals? I mean, I know it's easy to say, you know, gain experience, learn new tracks, find, you know, kind of get yourself up to grips with the bike. And But do, do you have like set goals already or are you waiting for pre-season testing to sort of see where you are and then go from there? Um, it's it's difficult because normally in, in the situation I'm in at the moment, I'll, I'll go in and be top rookie. But when you look at last season, the top rookie won the championship and going in as a rookie <laughs> saying, I want to win the championship is is a big ass but yeah um i want to be a points guy at the start of the year i, d- I don't want to if you can start around 12th to 15th if you if you can start there then trying to get to the front is a lot easier because you don't have to make a second and a half two seconds it's just a second half second so yeah if i can get at the points bottom end of the points at the start of the year and Normally, that means you're sort of tagging onto the front group. Maybe you can't battle with them, but especially at Qatar, where there's a long straight, if you can just tag on the yeah. the back of the group. But I'd like throughout the year to get a podium. If I can get one podium throughout the year, I think, yeah. You look at, Bavara came into the championship as the junior world champion, so he was a bit of a higher level than I'm at. But you see his progression. He was 10th place at the start of the year, and then he ended up winning. So he, if I can have that sort of trajectory, maybe not quite as good as him, but maybe getting a podium at the end of the year, yeah, that would be great. Do you think um, 
consistency in qualifying is going to be key this year. Yeah, I think the important thing is to try to get through to Q2 in, in the practice sessions because you see Acosta, it, it didn't really matter for him because he could qualify 23rd and he could win the races. But yeah. as a rookie, with, with uh, I wouldn't say I'm as good in the battles as Acosta was. So to try qualify nearer to the front and then get dragged along is, is really important because you you learn when you're at the back of the group, you learn so much more than riding yeah. on your own at the back. So, yeah, hopefully I can qualify as many times in Q2. And if I don't at the start of the year, I don't. But just, yeah, 100% every time. Yeah. Um, as well, in terms of this year, something that Matt's wanted to ask you, um, so I'm passing this one on. I, I'm pretty sure it'd be what well, I think it is, but your number's not confirmed for this year. So I don't know if that's yet to be announced, but... What number are you going to be um, running this year? I'm going to be run, running the number 19. I, I did ask Michael, and he spoke to the Erta who decide all the numbers and stuff, and they said it was fine. So, yeah, I'll be number 19 this year, which is my favourite number. Uh, I only went with the 26 last year because someone had the 19 already. But, mm. yeah, back to my original number. At the, at the start of the year, when everything was announced, uh Donna just assumed that I'd keep the same number as I was in CV, but yeah, I've decided to go to the 19. I, I like the number one, so it's as close as you can get to it. So, <laughs> yeah. if I ever if I ever win a championship and I'm in the same class the year after, I'll definitely run it. I liked uh, when Lorenzo did it because he managed to get the J and L to make a one, and yeah. that was pretty cool. Somehow, um, I don't think S and O go very well into a one. But yeah, we'll, we'll somehow work. make it work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we can try. <laughs> um, so kind of harping back, we kind of know, kind of know how we got here. Um, but some listeners might not. But harping back to to where it all began, were you six years old when you started riding bikes? So I was. Um... Three years old when I got my first bike, which was a PW50. I think most guys in racing start on PW50s. It's, it seems to be the everyone's first bike. And I sort of did motocross for 10 years as such. I did my first race at seven. And then I raced that until I was around 12, I think it was. And then I switched to tarmac. And then funny, funnily, oh, I can't even say it. Fun, <laughs> funnily enough uh, the first year I did in the Mexicans Fab Racing which is uh, the Brit- sort of where everyone in Britain comes from I was racing against Josh who is my teammate next year and we had a battle for the championship in my first year thankfully yeah. I came out on top <laughs> Yeah, it's funny you say that Scott because we were literally talking about that exact um, that exact thing there with you and Josh racing for the championship uh, just before we came on air in general. So, um, just tell us about that. Do you do you remember that? Do you have do you have a pretty clear memory on that whole year? Because it is kind of surreal, isn't it? How you, you I mean you put your name into like YouTube or Josh's name into YouTube, and that video seems to come up pretty regularly. And it's sort of weird to think that you're there racing miles ahead of everybody else. And you probably went out of that championship that year, you know, you coming out on top and whatnot. 
and thought, you know, I've beaten him, and now your teammates are sort of like, oh, he's back again. Do you know, do, do you and Josh get on? Do you have you spoke about that or? Um, no, we don't really speak about it anymore. We <laughs> it was a it was a weird year because it was my first year. We didn't really expect anything, and I didn't really start off very well. And then suddenly, how it it fell, I was sort of in with a chance, and yeah, it it was a great battle between me and Josh. And to be fair, the a few years after that, or I think it, we raced a bit in the British Talent Cup, but only for a year. But the few years after that, we didn't we didn't really race against each other, so we didn't see much of each other. And then the last couple of years, we've been in the same championship again. And yeah, at the at the moment, me and him are the the best Brits on the Moto Three bike. So yeah, I think it'll be interesting. We, but we don't dislike each other. We don't talk away from the track. It's just how it is but yeah it'll, it'll be nice to see how we both get on yeah it's definitely an interesting dynamic and especially with that little history you have um it sets up something like a storyline going into the year um and maybe years years to come as well similar to like are the the spanish riders a lot of them race together in the junior categories um which kind of sets the groundwork for future rivalries so it, it is quite interesting yeah definitely and it's weird to think that that year was the year that brought the two Brits really for the first time in 10 years to the Moto3 class because there's so many guys that come through every year and to have two from the same year is pretty cool because, yeah, we haven't really had anyone for a while. There was, I think, Tom Famous a couple of years ago, but he was a little older and then, then John was in it and Danny Kent were the next couple. Yeah, yeah it's, um, has... John been have you been in touch with him? Have you spoke to him much? Uh we hadn't spoke much, but uh he was at Cartena the last couple of days and yeah, it was great to, great to speak to him. He's a he's a good guy. He's he's a bit older and he's got a lot of experience, but yeah, he's he's great and he, he seemed really happily happy to help. So yeah, he he's a good guy and I can't wait to well, I don't know if I'll be battling with him next year, but I can't wait to be in the same class and, and learn from guys like him. Yeah, I was going to say it must be it must be on your radar for for people to kind of get some insight out of and um some some tips and tricks and things like that to make you you kind of transition into Moto Three a a bit smoother. Yeah, definitely. Uh, hopefully, it'll be nice enough to give me a, a toe in qualifying. But yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, I mean it's it's good though, isn't it? I mean, you know, you see people like John who. Like you say, he is, he is a bit older and he's got a lot of experience. And without sounding too blunt or too selfish towards John and his priorities, but you kind of wouldn't feel anything against the guy if he said, "Look, your competition to me. I don't, I don't need to, you know, help you out. I don't need to give you any advice and whatnot." And to say that he does, and you know, he he he's, he clearly values the fact that you know the British scene and whatnot, and how rare it is for you guys to come through, and how important it is. It is nice to see him sort of, you know, even if it is brief, it's nice to see that he, he's more than happy to to kind of induct you into the into the class. Yeah, definitely. And especially with him being a, one of the top guys in the class, he, he probably should have been in Moto2 now because he's been good enough to step up over the last five or oh, four or five years. Mm. But yeah, how circumstance happened, he's still in the Moto3. And yeah, I'm pretty sure he's going to be either in leading the championship at one point or winning a lot of the races this year. So, yeah, for a guy with that sort of uh, CV to 
to offer offer help it yeah it's really be- beneficial to me and i'll definitely take him up on on some of the advice and a toe yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know it we'll see how it goes if if i'm 20 20th place i think it'd be happily to help but if uh if i come out the blocks faster i think it'll be a different story yeah i mean if he if he gives you a toe around silverstone and you nab a pole off him that'd be uh pretty dandy wouldn't it? i don't think it go down very well for him like but um yeah to be yeah. fair i think i think if i'm faster then it's also beneficial for him because if he gives me one lap i'll give him one lap it's it's yeah. just respectful yeah yeah it's good that you've got that outlook as well not sort of you know i mean it's easy to be selfish like i say and you know racing's a tough sport it's a harsh sport and no one you know, there's no friends is there so to speak but like respect ultimately is a, a pivotal point and you see it a lot with riders where they're happy to take a toe off other people but as soon as the other guy wants one back it's you know arms are flaying and whatnot and sort of mm. they don't really have that respect there but it's good to see that you know you've already got that outlook that you know vice versa you give you scratch my back i'll scratch yours yeah definitely i think you need that to be fair because then more people will be happy to help because it's just yeah it drove well it drives me mad when someone follows you for a lap and then they go past and then they just sit up it's yeah it happens a lot in the cv paddock to be fair yeah you're a bit like a lorenzo like as soon as you get somebody behind you you're sort of wanting them to leave you alone and let you get on with it yeah yeah so have you had many dealings with um sam Lowe's or jake dixon or anything have you had chats with them because i don't know if i don't know if British riders are a, a kind of a, a more of a tight tight knit group in uh, um the MotoGP sphere due to like the fact that we're a bit more niche um compared to like the millions of Spaniards and the Italians you have in, in it. Yeah, um, I've never really spoke to Jake. I think he does his own thing as such, but uh, I spoke with Sam as well the last couple of days, and yeah, he's a he's a top guy as well, trying to give advice and always happy to help. So. Yeah, I think especially the older Brits who know that you're probably not their competition, that the they want to give advice and make sure you don't make the same mistakes as them or if they did something really well they also want to share that. So yeah, Sam and especially or especially Sam and, and John, they're they're top guys and yeah, I don't know about Jake, I haven't spoke to him, but I'm sure when we're around the paddock I'll I'll see him and I'll, I'll stop and have a chat with him. Yeah, no, it it is a, a very important thing to bring up just in terms of British riders as as a whole because, you know, like Josh just mentioned, the the Spaniards and whatnot and the Italians are, you know, I mean, I know it's subsidised in Spain with the government and, and whatnot and there's a big reason as to why you're over there now, isn't it, Scott? You know, with training and whatnot and everything being European-based outside of the UK, there wouldn't be much point you being in the UK, would there? So I'm assuming that's why... You, you train in Spain, the weather's obviously beneficial for your training. I, mean, I know you said it, it's not great, but I mean, I'm no betting man, but I can I can bet a lot of money it's better than where we are. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's it's the fact that tracks are open every day, all day, and mm. it's quite cheap to go and and ride all day. Whereas in the UK, it's, you might get to ride every, every weekend, maybe if you're lucky, or every couple of weekends where... Here, the kids are, are leaving school at three o'clock and they're on the track at four o'clock. So, yeah, 
it's, it's, it's impossible to compete against them unless you're doing the same thing as them. And that was sort of our viewpoint as a family was, was to come out here and train like a Spanish rider for a year and, yeah, hopefully get some out of it. And in the end, it, it worked out well, especially the timing with the new Vision Track team. Yeah, and how, um, how's that been for your family, Scott? Sorry, Josh, I didn't mean to cut across you there. Um, how, how's I'm, that been for family? Because obviously, it's a that's a big deal, isn't it? Just a, it's not just a pack up and let's leave. And you know, especially with current. I mean, I don't know what if it affected you with Brexit or anything, but besides that, how's it affected you as a family and whatnot? You know, are you out there with just your dad or? Yeah, it's been very difficult. So my dad came out with me last February and my mum stayed at home and well my brother brother's a little bit older so it it wasn't an issue for him but yeah it's been hard especially for my mum who's home alone and yeah we don't see her at all really we saw her at Christmas time but that was about it so yeah it's been difficult and yeah going on with Brexit and Covid adds a an, another element so yeah it's a big sacrifice I've made and I appreciate it and it wouldn't be possible without them and yeah, I know that, and I respect everything they've done. So, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's a big deal, but you've put so much into it, you may as well just go that little extra mile and maybe it'll pay off, maybe it won't. And, yeah, it paid off. Thankfully, the timing was perfect, really. Yeah, credit to you. So do you think that will make um, racing in Silverstone a bit more special, being back knowing that you've you've had to leave kind of Britain and sacrifice being at home to 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 then almost race at Silverstone in Moto three. Yeah, definitely. And speaking with Sam the uh, yesterday, it's it's crazy being and racing in front of the fans apparently. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully they have a full capacity and I get to have that special weekend because yeah, it's it's a one in a lifetime thing really. Well if you do it every year, then yeah, but it's a one in, in a year thing. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's one of my favourite tracks. And I remember being there with the British Talent Cup and winning the British Talent Cup there. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully I can be at the front and well, give the fans what they want to see and, and not just be a back marker. Well, you love all, yeah. the, you love all the Silverstone behind you, definitely. Um, Thank you. I think I remember, I was in the, I think I was in Woodcut. Uh, for the for the Silverstone just gone and honestly everyone was cheering for Jake Dixon even though he was you know lapping I don't know how, how far at the back but everyone yeah, was still but, cheering for him because it's, yeah. he was British it's it's a big thing yeah, yeah definitely I, yeah I was just gonna go on from that it, it I, I mean you know in Spain and whatnot they they are mad for it and you know UK have just been crying out haven't we for not only a British team, but just like to look at you and the likes of Josh as the youngsters coming through, it's it's kind of, you know, I look at, it's kind of like what Matt mentioned um, prior to coming into this, is it's like the American racing team. You look at that now and America have all of a sudden been crying out for a, a rider in any class and now next year they've got three. So, you know, they're making steps towards breaking back into the classes. And I feel like the UK have needed riders to come through. And it must be, you know, besides yourself, Scott, 
do you see um, kind of what you were alluding to earlier with Michael wanting to have that progression through each class? Do you see this as probably one of the most important jumps for British racing, having a team that is a British team that looks like it's got longevity in the sport? Do you see that as the next big step in Moto3 for British riders? Yeah, definitely, because it's very difficult trying to come across to Spain and race in a Spanish team with all the Spanish people because you're not really known, the Spanish riders are known, and then you're the third rider, and yeah, it's difficult. So to have a, a I don't think the personnel in the team is, is um, British, but to have a, a team that's for British riders and a, a British sponsor is, is so beneficial because it sort of gives all the guys in Britain that, that uh, belief that it's possible and it's it's not so far away. So, yeah, it, it's a great step and hopefully they can progress that into the Moto2 category and then you never know, one day in the MotoGP class. Yeah, um, I think we know that the UK has been desperate. It's been crying out for, for British riders, you know, being in, being in the Premier class, regularly fighting for wins and a championship. Um, of course, Barry Sheen in... What was it, 78, 77? 77, yeah. Being the last MotoGP champion or British MotoGP champion is just, it's crazy. It's just, it's criminal that it's so long ago. Um, and I think Dawn have probably recognised that, don't they? They recognise, they probably look at Formula One and see how popular that is due to the, the British talent that they have in there. And I think Dawn know that the likes of Britain and America are, are huge for marketability and a huge, huge potential. Um, for uh, sales at races and things like that, uh, viewership wise. So, um, do you uh, do, do you kind of think there's a bit more added pressure on your shoulders, um, you and Josh's shoulders, knowing that there's that it's not all on you, but knowing that you know a lot of the British viewership's eyes are going to be on you too this season. Yeah, definitely. I, I try not to think about it because it it just adds that extra pressure that when you ride tight, you never ride very well. So I, I try not to think about it, but yeah, I want to do well for, for British viewers and it's it's what they've needed because, yeah, the racing's good and everyone wants to watch it, but it means something if there's one of your own in it and it makes you want to watch it more and then people that don't watch motorsport come and watch it just because there's a British person in it. So yeah, it's it's a big deal and I think the next couple of years won't be so big on us because there's still a few big big names in in the moto 2 and johnny moto 3 so yeah but for the distant future maybe looking at the moto gp class i think it's important me and josh have a good couple of years and and try establish and yeah hopefully bring the love back to uh hopefully well i don't know everyone loves it in the uk anyway but hopefully bring that passion back yeah no i to- totally back what you're saying i think everybody listening who's British or American can relate to it in their sense. Um, you know, it, it, you see it all the time, don't you, with British riders that, you know, they've got the pace and whatnot, and in, whether it's affordability, whether it's logistics, whether it's this or that, you know, you look at likes of Rory Skinner, who's come through every rank there is in British racing on tarmac, and then it's got to World Championship, and, you know, people are asking for silly money, and it's not always affordable, affordable for, you know, people and whatnot, and to see now a British team, like you say, with a British sponsor, the British sponsor's massive, isn't it? Just because you've got that backing of a home-based sponsor 
that get it. They get the the background culture of where you're coming from and what you've sacrificed. So in a way, in terms of pressure, that must feel so much weight off of your shoulders because, you know, like last year you were racing with Aspar, which is a, don't get me wrong, a magnificent team and a really great pedigree of riders all the time with Aspar. But as you say, you're going to be third rider because you've got two Spanish riders ahead of you and, you know, it's a Spanish team, Spanish sponsors. So to have your own team there with a British sponsor, British team manager, British team, like, you know, everything must take weight off your shoulders now. Yeah, definitely. And there's that element where you you sort of wanted in the team. So, yeah, it's, it's nice to be with, with the, the Vision Trek team and, I think they want they want to win as much as I want to win, which is always the best feeling. And yeah, it was the same even with Aspar. They I felt welcome. They were they were a great team, and they wanted me there. And to get the results with them that I did was just amazing. And yeah, I can't thank them enough. But it, it, yeah, it's nice to go to a home team as such. And to be fair, I've I've brought um, the data guy from Aspar with me, so yeah, it's a bit of familiarity and. Yeah, I'm looking forward to get going. So we haven't actually talked about how you kind of got in or Michael got in touch with you and how that all came about. Um was it back in twenty seventeen or something like that? Um, well, I was in the British Talent Corp and it, the first year that was in it was uh BT Sport was like a big sponsor. And I remember being at Wilton Mill and my dad saying to me, Oh it you got to go speak to Michael because he was there, and uh, he was one of the commentators of the B- of the British Talent Cup. And I was always a nervous kid, but I went and introduced myself and asked if he wanted to go on my on my. I had a KX eighty five and asked if he wanted to go on that. And <laughs> yeah, he rode it around. And ever since then, yeah, we've kept in touch. The guy that's helped me out, rider coaching, used to race against Michael when he first started. So. Yeah, I've kept in touch with him a little bit. And when um, I sort of, well, I won the race in, in Hareth. And then I sort of, it was weird because everyone was was sort of saying, oh, if you heard this, if you heard that, and you're going to murder three. And I'm like, I, I don't really know. but <laughs> And that, that wasn't me being funny with them or anything. but And then it sort of came out in the... Um, where paddock gossip that there was this new team and Michael was running it and then about five later he came and spoke to me and sort of said this do you want to join and then I was a Dorna rider so the boss of Dorna then came and spoke to me and gave me the options I had and yeah it was the best one for me this year and I'm looking forward to get going. So touching on that you so you win your you win the race at Hareth. Um, was it your first your first win in um the Moto Three P Moto Three Junior class? Yeah. So so you win that, and then straight afterwards, you find out you're racing in Moto Three. Well, not the weekend after we're in Aragon, uh, Red Bull rookies, and at that point there was a lot of rumours, and then on the Saturday I oh, think it was. Okay. Yeah, that's still, it, that's still a week, just a week where it all seems to just go 100 mile per hour. Yeah, it, it was crazy. And then it got announced at Mizano, I think it was. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then even that weekend was a lot of people coming up, so it, it was difficult to concentrate. But yeah, it was nice to have one more race at Valencia where everything was sorted and there was no pressure. Well, watching you at Mazzano, um, I think it was Mazzano, yeah. where you got interviewed by BT, was it? Was that where you and Josh were? kind of like yeah. showing on TV. Yeah, and I, rem- I remember Michael be- almost being like, you know, I have literally spoke to these guys last week, pretty much. And in a way, you could tell with like, you know, the pressure instantly, the big, the, the British broadcasting team are down your throat, so I was out to say like, you know, what's it like? What's the process? What's that? And you, you could see you and Josh almost like, this is news to us. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you seemed very like, whoa hold on a minute it's been a it's been a big two weeks yeah definitely it was it was all surreal but no it's good it's good that everyone's interested and I think BT will be really good this year and give us even if we're not at the front I think because it's a British broadcaster they'll give us a lot of um coverage and interviews and stuff so yeah I'm looking forward to it because it's important for people to to know you who you are and how hard it is not just seeing the results because when someone doesn't know you and they see the results it's it's very easy just to say oh it's rubbish or whatever so yeah I'm looking yeah. forward to the whole audience to, to get to know who me and Josh are. It's a little bit like what you just alluded to there is a little bit like your Valencia I want to say it was race one I think in CEV last the tail end of this last year where you were you were at the front weren't you for that was it that race you were at the front for quite a lot a lot of time you were fighting for I think it might have been P two, P three. I think David Alonso had, had flown off as he does, um, and I, I, did you crash out of that race? I could be getting this completely wrong, but again, it's like you look at that on paper and you'd be like, "Oh, Scott's crashed out." But I, I remember a Valencia race that you were you were pretty much like flying at the front for a, a long period and crashed out towards the end. So I get what you mean with the on paper thing. It is easy to judge it just based on that. Uh, I think, well, I didn't crash out of the last round, but I did have uh, contact down the straight and the brake stuck on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing that. I think I finished fourth still, but, like, yeah, I was fighting for the win for the race. And then, yeah, it was a bit annoying because fourth is is the worst position you could finish in the whole race. Hmm. Mm. I could be thinking of twenty twenty or twenty twenty. I can't remember. I remember. I think some Valencia race. I can't think. You did have a you did have a race la, uh, last season, Scott, where someone took you out. I believe. Yeah, that was Mizano. Oh God! Yeah, I remember. I, I watched that briefly, and I, I can imagine you were just so because you you were riding well. It was looking like a good going to be a good result. Yeah, it was the round after Hareth, so everything sort of started to click then, and. I was feeling good and yeah, it, well, there was two brothers, oh, not brothers, but two guys with the same name last year that just somehow, even they didn't mean to, and I know they didn't, but somehow both of them ended up being in every collision, every crash, everything, those two were in it. So yeah, it, it was pretty frustrating, but uh, these things happen, especially in Moto3 and I'm sure that the guys next or this year are going to be even more aggressive. So in terms of, of that discussion then, Scott, when it came to Michael coming to you and saying, look, I want you to be part of this team, and then you've gone to see Dorna, um, and Dorna have laid out your options. I'm, I'm not sure what you can and can't say in terms of other teams that you may have been approached by or whatever, but what were your other options? Was it an, was it an option to 
possibly stay in CEV, I assume. Or was the other option maybe British, like BSB or World Supersport? Or... No, if I'm going to move with um, Vision Track or stay in CEV for another year with Aspar, they were really keen to keep me on for another year. But yeah, it's one of those things you've got to keep moving. If you get the opportunity, you got you got to step up because anything could happen. You could break your wrist at round one and then your old news. So, yeah, I had to take the opportunity to move up, even though maybe staying with Aspar and then moving up with them could have been a good option. But, yeah, it, you couldn't turn it down. And the team's amazing, especially Simon at Vision Track. He's, yeah, he's, he's got good good views and uh, good aspirations. So, yeah, I'm looking forward. Yeah, it's the best option for this year. So, yeah. what are your um, what are your plans between now and testing? Then, um, again, is it is it just uh, stick to a, a training regime? Is there anything else you have to do? Is there any more track days? Any things like that? Um, so, I'll be on the the supermoto now for a few days. I think we're going to go tomorrow and then Friday and then. Next week, it will just be trying to get as many miles in on the, the push bike. And then we've got two more days at Cartagena at the end of this month. And then after that, it's straight into testing, really. With the start of uh, February, we've got two days at Jerez with uh, Matt BDS have hired the track and loads of teams have jumped on it. So we're there. I think I think John's there as well. And there's a few Moto2 teams. So... I'm sure probably Red Bull KTM and stuff will be there also, which is good because then it's your first time trying the bike, but it's also your first time seeing where you stand. Yeah. Mm. And then in between that, it'll just be, yeah, Supermoto and training again. And then the official test, 19th, 20th and 21st at Portimao, which is a big one, really. It's not so much a test because you, you want to be first. It's sort of the first one where... The, the guy that's going to be the fastest stamps his authority so yeah it's an important one that one and then to be fair it's straight into Qatar really a few days off probably cycle and just try to get as much training as possible and yeah then fly to Qatar because I think there's you've still got an isolate for a few days and then you want to acclimatise and jet lag and stuff so yeah not much time now really a month a month and a few weeks until the start of the season. So, yeah, just trying to cram in as much seat time and just keep the fitness level there. Mm. So, in terms of this year then, Scott, is there one track that stands out for you that you've not rode that you're top of the list, almost your your bucket list of tracks that you're buzzing to get on? Any track in particular? Um. Well, first of all, uh, it's not because of the track, but I'd, I can't wait to go to... Japan and then for the track wise probably Phillip Island uh-huh. uh, it just yeah. looks sick uh, everyone says it's cold but no the the track just looks sick turn one and turn two and yeah it's one of the best tracks yeah especially coming over the brow of that hill over the finish straight and seeing you know the whole coast and everything it does look does look amazing mm. I'll give you that so Japan I'm assuming just for quite like like culture. a lot of Brits, just the culture, isn't it? It's just yeah, yeah. It's it's a cool attraction. one, I think. Yeah, be a good and one as be... well. Being for being a Honda, I know you're not HRC's factory team rider, but you're you're a Honda rider at the end of the day, aren't you? So 
it'd be a, yeah, good, get a good result there. Yeah, and all the bosses, all the bosses from yeah. Japan are there, so you get a good result there, and then you can start knocking on the door asking for a, yeah. a HRC contract. <laughs> Asking for a little bonus on someone. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know that. Uh, yeah, you know that Repsol second seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. You might get your um, your yeah. on track dream there. You might get get a, get a lap in with Mark. Yeah. Well, I remember uh, Alex doing. I think after he won the Moto Three Championship, getting to ride the Repsol. So, yeah, I'll try. I'll try if I if I have a good year. Try knock on and and ask if I can do that. Yeah, that's true. Just see if see if you've got an older brother that can win eight world titles. I know you're actually a good <laughs> good thing to link on to. Your your brother's not a not a motorcycle rider, but actually he's in the navy, isn't he? I believe I've read. Yeah, he's a helicopter pilot in in the navy. So yeah, that's pretty cool. But yeah, to be fair, I think it's better for the family that he's not a racer because. <laughs> The amount of stress it is to have one rider on track for my parents. Mm. To have two is just another level, I think. Yeah, I don't think your mum would have been too keen on both of you riding. Um, no, especially if we're in the same class. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. there's a bit... Everyone says, oh, you want to beat the teammate, but I think when it's your brother, it's even more. Yeah, yeah, you won't, you won't, it won't go down very well, would it, if your brother came and T-boned you off, or even mm-hmm. like you had at Valencia, where I mean, still, I don't want to go too into that because it's not that big of a deal. But I remember watching that. I can't even believe you were upright after that. I, I just, if anyone that's not seen it, just search Scott's name into YouTube or something or, or Twitter and Valencia, and I'm sure it'll come up. I mean, Scott, how on earth did you keep that upright? <laughs> Not religious, but someone was looking over me that day. <laughs> it was just luck. Yeah, I want to say, oh yeah, I moved my body position, but it it happened so fast. I didn't really know what happened. It's just one of those things because normally you have a brake guard that that stops that from happening, but because of Moto Three, by turn three, your brake guard's already stuck up in the air. So yeah, I didn't have that protection, and yeah, it just moved across and just elbowed the break so yeah it was quite lucky but spectacular something you'd see Mark Marquez do to be fair yeah, the yeah. Young players, definitely. he'd just do it for um, fun though Mark yeah Mark. probably also are you um, Indonesia is that on the calendar this year it is yeah, yeah. it is now that will be interesting because that's an unknown for literally everyone yeah I assume. speaking about that um, because the last two years well 2020 and 2021 they haven't done any of the uh, flyaway races, and mm. they haven't done Indonesia, and they haven't done Kimi Ring. So there's, there's about, I think there's six tracks where, or maybe seven, where no one, well, apart from the guys that have been in it a long, long time, but really about 25 riders maybe haven't been to. So it's like there's tw- at those tracks there's 25 rookies, which is more beneficial for for me and also the other guys stepping into the championship because the most difficult thing is keeping your head when the guys in FP1 are on lap record pace and you're four seconds off the pace because you don't know the track. But when everyone don't know the track, it it's not that element. You don't have to catch up four seconds because yeah. you're in the same boat. Yeah, that's a very More good point, actually, thinking about make- it with the, the 2020 and 2021 thing you mentioned because... You've, I mean, not to disrespect the people that have been there since 2019 and before, 
but you'd like to think the reason that they are there since 2019 and before and still in Moto3 is the fact that, the, again, not to be disrespectful, but I don't think they're going to be flying at the front, so to speak, are they? Do you know what I mean? So to to use that as a kind of a guide to think, you know, I'm me and a load of others, you know, I look at people that have come in through recent years, take anyone, I mean, like Javi Artigas, prime example, great rider, fast rider, but never been to the likes of Philip Island, Sapang and Kimi Ring and whatnot. So it is quite important that you mention that because you could go to those races and expect that, oh, I'm, I've never been here and all these have been in world championship for one or two years, but they've never been East Asia yet. So yeah, that's, that's a very important mm. point you bring up there actually, Scott. Yeah. Yeah. It's also a good thing is that there's this year, there's 12 rookies as well moving up. So, everything's a bit more familiar than the normal, like two or three rookies moving up and you're going into a big pond, whereas everything's a bit a bit different next year for, or this year for because 12 rookies is so many. So, yeah, it's good for me. It's, I know where I stand with them and, yeah, you'll have the guys at the front like Foggia and Garcia, but everyone else is, is I've raced against before. So, yeah, I know where I stand, which is nice. Is there a particular rookie that's coming up, Scott, that you, I mean, I know you don't want to tarnish yourself in saying this, but is the one that if it's not you, you think will do well, a rookie coming up? Because there's, I mean, 12 rookies and there are some really fast guys coming up. Like I mentioned earlier, like David Alonso, you've got um, Danny Holgado, people that you've raced against, you know how quick those guys are. Yeah, I'll say, I think Danny will, will be really strong. He's on the championship winning bike, so... He's got that pressure, but yeah, he's he's super fast. He was last year, and to be fair to him, he helped me a lot throughout the season, being his teammate, looking at his data, and we used to go out together on track. So yeah, I know how good Danny is, so I think he'll be strong. But yeah, he's, he's beatable, but he's on the best bike, and the problem with that is he's, he's expected to win, so he's got a lot more pressure than everyone else. So yeah. Yeah, yeah and again, if you're, if you're within, let's say, Two, one or two tenths of Danny on that bike, you know you're doing something right. If you're, you know, let's not forget you're coming into a new team and people might say, well, it's, you know, it's KTM or Honda. I mean, Husqvarna, Gascast, you know, they're all pretty much the same bike in terms of engine and whatnot. And and that side, I think, but you're on a new team, you know, you've got people like, I've not even mentioned Taylor McKenzie, you know, he's never been in that role. You're all pretty new to it. So if you can be one or two tenths off the likes of Danny, who again is a, the only thing you've got in common coming up is the fact that you're rookies. I'd say that's a very, very big plus on your side. Yeah, definitely. With it being a new team, that there is that. There's a little bit more, not an excuse, but that thing where if you don't get the results, there's that element of everything's new. All the people they've all worked on these bikes, but they've never worked together. So. Yeah, it's going to take time for everyone to adapt, but I think by the halfway point, we'll all be ready, and I think eventually we can be one of the best teams. So, yeah, if I can get within uh, two temps of, of Danny and other riders like uh, Ortola and people like that, yeah, I'll be I'll be super happy. And when you're that close, it means you can race with them. So, yeah, it'll be interesting, especially with Qatar having the long straight and the first race. It'll be nice to see where we stand, and when when you have that long straight, you can go from tenth to first. So it'll be nice to put yeah. it in the mix for a few laps. 
Yeah, you can make up those those lost couple of tenths, can't you, on slipstream, which is beneficial for you because just racing against those guys is massively important that if you do then have the pace up on them, you need to know how to race against them because it's one thing being quick, but another thing actually racing against them, isn't it? Yeah, and, well, the CV classes is pretty stacked, but it's like racing the top three in the CV class. It is, it's the whole field in Moto3, so... Yeah, it's going to be nice to, to see how they race and learn from them, really. Try not to do any of the stupid moves that we saw last year, but, yeah, try to be aggressive and, and make good, good clean overtakes. I guess another advantage of being in the Moto3 paddock is, obviously, I'm not sure the routine after a race, depending on what you've you've done in the race, but are you able to get quite involved in watching the Moto2, Moto GP race at all? Or is or is there a lot of press things you have to do after the race which can... Um, I'm not too sure at the moment. It depends how well I do. If, if you're in on the podium, I'm sure you'll have... You'll miss the Moto2 race, but then you'll get to watch the Moto GP race. So, yeah, I, I'll make sure I'm able to watch all the races and you got to cheer on the other Brits and hopefully they do well in, in the other classes. So, yeah, it's, it's good to be there and because you always watch it on TV and you think, well, it's, it would be so cool to be there and to be there and experience everything. Uh, you just got to relish everything. Mm. Well, let's hope in that case then you're not watching many Moto2 races. If you're on the podium, you can't watch it. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. That'd be the, uh, that'd be the dream. I mean, for you, Scott, I'm sure you're eyeing up a few races that you've been strong at. Is there any in particular, you know, through CEV that, I mean, Hareth got to stand out, surely, where you think going in there, you can be looking at that to be, if I'm strong there and within, let's say, top 10, top 15, solid throughout the weekend, you know, is is that a track for you that you've almost not got to do well at, but it's definitely one of your stronger tracks? Yeah, there's a few, really, because it's weird. Going from the KTM to the to the Honda, it, it's like, well, the, the Honda worker, that track, but... Yeah, the past couple of years, because I've ridden both bikes, I, I've been strong at her F on both of them. So I, I think that's definitely one I can do well at. But also places like Portimao, I, I didn't get the result this year, but in my first year, in, I, I got a top 10. And I really like that track because if you get everything right, you can you can go so fast. And uh, in warm-up this year, I, I got everything right. It was it was the worst session to get everything right. But no, I, when, when you see in... Um, the times and the lap times you're doing and you, you analyse and you compare to the Moto3, they're not so far away. I think the time I did in warm-up was top six in, in qualifying in Moto3. So, yeah, I think there's some tracks I can I can do well at and surprise a few people, especially places like, well, I don't want to add pressure to myself, but I think I can do <laughs> I just think name, I can just do name it. a few, Scott. Name, name a few tracks that you definitely, definitely going to promise all the British listeners definite podium I'm going to say Silverstone <laughs> it's my favourite one uh, it's well in the British Talent Cup I did quite well there so yeah that's that's one I think if I'm going to surprise anyone at any track I think it'll be that one well I'll tell you what if you if you pull a result out at Silverstone I'm not just saying this personally but like I know for a fact having seen even the likes of not even like an English rider, like the likes of Eugene Laverty, who nearly got, I think he nearly got through to Q2 in 2015 or something, and the, the roof went off. Do you know what I mean? It was almost like 
he'd won a race. But if you if you were to just even fight at the front, or no matter, I think to be honest with you, even if you were absolute dead last, you'd still get an, an unbelievable amount of support. But if you do pull a result out of the bag at Silverstone, I, I, I hope that you relish it and really breathe it in and whatnot because that roof will come off. For mm. absolute sure, that roof will come off. Yeah, well, a lot of the... Well, I think maybe... Well, Josh has been, but all the other rookies, they haven't been there yet. So, for me, I know the track and I, I know it quite well. So, yeah, hopefully get through to Q2 and, and do a good race at the front. Sounds like you need uh, Mark van der Straten to be keeping up these track eyes and see if he can eye a Silverstone out for you and get a few laps in prior to prior to going. He seems to seems to hire out quite a lot. Yeah, well, well, we get seven test days this year, and I know we're only doing um, five before the season starts. So I'll be knocking on Michael's door asking if we can do the other two at Silverstone. Yeah, yeah, that would be that. Honestly. I can't even begin to imagine how sick that would be to watch a British rider finally be, you know, battling at Silverstone. I mean, you, we mentioned names earlier, and the likes of Danny Ken, who brilliant rider in Moto Three, went on to win world title and whatnot, and has fizzled out since, unfortunately. But you know, he, I remember seeing Danny win at Silverstone, and just again, it's like that thing we they don't come along very often, British riders. So again, like we've said. Not to go back into it, but to have two of you fighting, it would be great to see a British team, British riders fighting in the one track that we have all year. It'd be be amazing for British fans, that would. Yeah, it's definitely the aim. And, and with it being closer to the end than it is at the start, it, it, it gives us that time to, to adapt and develop and, yeah, just improve. So, yeah, it, it's realistic, I think, to be able to get a top 10 and, if everything goes well, or it, maybe it's iffy conditions, it, it can be better. Mm, definitely. And on the flip side, then, is there any tracks across the row ones we, you've not been to before? You know, the ones where it's it's uh, far east and things. Are there any tracks that you maybe, I wouldn't say not look looking forward to, but are there any tracks where you think, right, this is going to be a tough race? Uh, like, Thailand. To, really? Yeah, yeah, just because it's. One of those ones where there's, well, it depends. If you've got a fast bike, Thailand's the one you want to go to, but you don't know until the first race if you've got a fast bike or not. But yeah, it just looks, it's a hot race and there's four four long straights. So yeah, it, it doesn't really look very interesting to me, but I'm sure the, the Thai fans are, are crazy for the sport and it'll be a cool experience to, to race in front of them it's just sucks the track's not not so good no i i without going too de- deep into it i do agree with you i've said it in the past i don't think it's i don't think it'd be my pick of the bunch if i was a rider to sort of go there and be thinking i can't wait for that that track and no again no disrespect but yeah i think if you're on a motor three bike if you've got like realistically i would love that track if i was on the leopard because it seems to be they get the gears just perfect in terms of coming out of the corners and whatnot. They, they they just get the bike set up so well and have that extra launch. You'd be looking forward to Thailand, but you're so in the dark, aren't you? You don't really know where you are, so you don't know how much you're going to enjoy that track. Yeah. Also, um, 
I can imagine the qualifying being so or a mess, yeah, because it, it's yeah. such a big deal but, to get a to a slipstream. I can imagine it being a mess. Oh, the the weaving and things like that. Yeah, definitely. yeah, and I can. Well, I was speaking with Taylor yesterday, and I, we were sort of joking around, saying that the last thing, because because he's a team manager, and it, it's it's his job to sort of do uh, the strategy. He was laughing around, making sure, mm-hmm. just saying that. If if we miss the flag, he will he'll never be able to show his face because <laughs> a lot of the guys this year have waited so long and they've they've caught the flag and not got a flying lap. So yeah, his aim is just to get make sure we get that last flying lap. Well, who knows? I might the could crack down on it this year. The whole weaving because it did get a bit ridiculous towards the back end of the season uh, last season, especially in America. I think it was the Texas Grand Prix that was just ridiculous um so who knows what will what will come of it but some i think something will will change in regards to how how kind of the, the strategy is in motor 3 qualifying yeah definitely especially with the unfortunate events of last year and mm. so many things happening that i think the the guys in race direction will be a lot more critical of of especially the motor 3 class the really see it in the other two classes but the matter three class where you've got young kids unaware of the circumstance or the dangers yeah i think they'll be a lot more tight and strict yeah and just on that point you made previous to that scott what's your relationship like with taylor because i know we've kind of skimmed over his name and whatnot not really addressed him is your relationship pretty good with taylor or how are you getting on as you know because obviously he's He's all of a, in terms of experience, he's a very experienced guy as of very recent, you know, racing last year and now jumped into a new role for him. How do you think he'll adapt to that role and how are you getting on with him as pretty much your boss? Yeah, well, I didn't really know him before um, this year. But yeah, I made the effort to introduce myself at Donington Park last year and yeah, he's a, he's a top guy. He seems to have a lot of knowledge and I'm just looking forward to working with him. I think he'll adapt well, and Michael knows who who the best man for the job is, and he's picked yeah. Taylor. So yeah, I'm sure he's gonna do a good job, and it'll take time, like it will for me and Josh on the bikes. But yeah, by the end of the year, he'll be yeah, he'll be used to it, and yeah, he's a good guy, and we get along really well, which is the main thing. Yeah, I I think I don't know about you, Josh, but. As a Brit, I genuinely do have a lot of trust in Michael Laverty. I feel like he's just one of those guys that even in commentary oh, yeah. years gone by, he's just so informative and he, he's so in-depth with every spectacle of racing. Um, so it must be really comforting for you, Scott, going into just, again, like everything's new, but you've got so much experience in there, even if there's people that, like you say, with you say you bring somebody from Aspar into your team this year. Um, you know, you've got some guys that have, yeah, they've done it, but it's a new project. But Michael must be a breath of fresh air for you. Yeah, definitely. He he's starting to get everything sorted, and yeah, he's just doing the final touches now. That we get the bikes this week, and they start preparing him this weekend. So yeah, he he knows what he's doing, and he's such a smart guy, and he's got a lot of knowledge and experience behind him. So yeah, it's. I wouldn't want anyone else to be the the team manager, and it's been very difficult for him with just 
how fast he's had to do it. But yeah, he's doing a great job and can't wait to to work for him. Yeah, the uh, the future's bright, definitely. Um, like you said, hitting a maybe a, a future Moto Two team, maybe maybe even a Moto GP team, uh, one one day. But it, it's looking it's looking positive. I'm I'm so happy we finally got to this stage where we're having a British a British team in in Moto Three with with British riders, um, and we're we're getting that foundation ready for. For the future, because it's just been too long, and uh, yeah, it's been amazing having you on uh, as well. And th- thank you again for coming on um, to the podcast, because yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite surreal, and and we'll be watching you very closely as the season goes on, um, and obviously try and check in uh, some of the time as well. But thanks for coming on anyway. It's been it's been a pleasure on our behalf as well. No, thank you for having me. Yeah, so um, for everybody listening, that has been it for today. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at Red Sector Motor GP. Um, individually, you've got Josh at WilsonJ194. Is that correct, Josh? Yeah. You've yeah. got myself at BunnoGP underscore. Um, I'm going to guess that I always forget which one. I don't know if it's Matt Polanski1. I could be getting that absolutely wrong. Let me just double check that. Yep, Matt Polanski1. And Scott, what's your Twitter? Uh, Scott Ogden nineteen. There you go. You so want um, if... you on Facebook on. as well? Anything like that? Uh, Scott Ogden Racing. Scott Ogden Racing for anyone on Facebook. Yeah, so feel free to give all of those a follow and whatnot, and leave a five star rating review. And yeah, and on that note, keep the throttle pinned.